Ingram Smith, Buddy Elliott, back again for another episode of the Knollcast. Uh, we don't always have the luxury of telling you that we have a absolutely jammed podcast on you know the back end of June, but uh, we certainly do tonight. Tons of recruiting information. Obviously, we're all operating off a little bit of a different calendar because of what happened last year, but tons of visits, official visits in June, which is somewhat of a new phenomenon. Uh, so excited to be able to jump into tonight's podcast. We will do something a little bit different tonight. We'll start with a listener question. Jonathan writes, uh, yeah, I know, it is a little different. Jonathan writes, hey guys, I don't even have a question, uh, but wanted to give a shout out to one of your sponsors. About a year and a half ago when I lived in the Bay Area, my wife and I drove up to Napa and stopped in at Tarpon Cellars. Truly a fantastic visit. Uh, Jeremy's a great guy, showed us all around, let us taste a ton of wines, and also loves to talk about FSU football. Even if it was just to share the misery at the time, this was in Taggart year number two. On top of that, on top of that, these guys are really good. Their wines are fabulous, and I still order from them all the time. Glad they're back uh, sponsoring the show, and I do encourage any listener to give it a shot. So certainly <clears throat> appreciate that. Jonathan's one of our Patreon listeners. Unrelated, I think Jonathan and I may have uh, a mutual friend or two, but uh, no, great stuff, Jonathan. Really appreciate you sending that in. And <clears throat> yeah, Jeremy and the other uh, kind of managing partner of Tarpon Sellers are massive, massive Florida State fans, love to talk ball. And uh, as I frequently said, <clears throat> or as I frequently said, I believe they first inquired about sponsoring the show uh, summer of 2011 after we did a interview with Phil Steele. So yeah, they've, uh, they've certainly been around and on the radar for a long time and we're ever so fortunate to be able to uh, pair with them yet again. I remember that interview with Phil Steele. That was, that was fun. All right, so uh, I guess we have some new business to get to here. Omar Graham, linebacker committed. I don't have a whole lot to say about this that we didn't already say on the last show. I think we went over it. Uh, my comment was basically, okay, you have your downhill thumper now. You need to go get some guys who can change direction and run too because this is becoming a space game. And I, I, I think he's a, a guy who can really hit. He's a smart player who can diagnose. But uh, I don't really feel that he's underrated. You know, right now he's rated an 86 by, by us, 24-7 sports, the number 75 linebacker, the number you know, 88 uh, player in the state of Florida. And I think that's about right. You know, I, I, I think the other two guys you get in this class had better be able to change direction well and run well and cover. Uh, but I do think he's a, a nice piece to start. And I know we said a lot more about it in the last episode. Uh, generally, when guys come in, I know you go back and watch their clips. Is there anything else you want to add to kind of what we talked about uh, last time? No, not really. I mean, you know, we said what we said. Uh, from a broader perspective, uh, last year around this time, uh, maybe a little bit earlier even, I started to really uh, stain everybody's ears with the fact that, you know, I was going to use a, a large measuring stick as to whether or not uh, Rod Orr was part of this class as to, as to if it, it was successful or not. I think I think I may put a little bit of similar focus on the linebacker position as a whole this year. It's it's really something uh, that you've got a big need. You can sell. Uh, you should have some some energy there and a, a staff that can uh, you know get kids excited about coming in and playing fairly early. And uh, hopefully, you know, like we said, Graham is uh, is one of three or you know one of three, and then uh, another kid who uh, 
you know, may come in with the idea of playing safety or linebacker. Who knows? But uh, yeah, it, I know we have a question about that later in the show. It's uh, it's a position that needs to be addressed, and uh, hopefully, Graham is is the first step in addressing it. I, I would agree with that. Um, the other thing I would say, Ingram, is that this is this is a good linebacker year, right? Like you should knock linebacker out of the park this year. There's not many guys on the roster who who should scare away linebackers coming in. I think you can honestly promise early playing time to these guys and be able to, to deliver on it. So uh, if Chris Marv can connect with them and close the deal, you should be able to get a pretty nice linebacker class. And in fact, I think if, if, you know, if Graham is kind of the number three backer you sign, then I think if a few fans out there in this rebuilding process should be pretty happy. But if you want more of our thoughts on it, be sure to listen to the last episode. I know we talked about Omar Graham uh, quite a bit. So Graham is the 2022 commitment. Uh, second commitment since we last recorded is a, 2023 prospect, a pretty interesting wide receiver prospect that you've seen in person. I've talked to a couple of different people at other schools about. Uh, why don't we start with your opinion, as I believe you saw him down in Miami recently, uh, the Jacobs uh, wide receiver out of Vero Beach. Yeah, and I, I know you talked to one of your guys who's a college coach, and he said that the numbers he had on him was uh, 5'11", 150. So I know he's listed at some places like six foot 165. Uh, I tend to think your guy is actually more right than where he what he's listed. Personally, uh, I I was I was fairly impressed with with Jacobs uh, when FSU took his commitment. I was a little bit surprised because I do think it is just an absolutely loaded receiver year next year in the state of Florida. Whereas this year, I think it's extremely underwhelming. I'm not very impressed with many guys in the state, and I would go heavier transfer this year at the receiver position because I just don't think there's that many guys who the Knowles can get, like legitimately reasonably expect to get, uh, who are difference makers for them. Kind of the same thing at running back, to be honest. Uh, but in looking back at the clips I shot of him, uh, which are, are on, I believe they're on 24-7 Sports' highlights, assuming that the video team took care of him and got him uploaded. He really fights for the ball well. I think he's a, a for his size, I think he's a good contested catch guy. He had pretty decent quickness. I, I don't know what his shuttle was, but I assume he ran a, a decent shuttle there. I saw him down there at the Miami uh, underclassman camp where the quarterback play was just abysmal. <laughs> you know, so it's very hard for receivers to stand out. So if if you if I have two, three clips of you catching balls and making good catches, that that means you either got extremely lucky in terms of the balls thrown to you because a lot of these balls were uncatchable, uh, or that you did a really good job. And I think in this case it was it was probably the latter. Um, I don't know that he stands out to me as somebody who's a no doubt superstar, uh, but obviously he's a big fan of FSU. He was also at their 7-on-7 camp recently and balled out. I know the the on-the-bench guys were talking about that. Brendan Sinone and them were were very impressed with Jacobs. Uh, That seems to kind of match up with what I saw at the Miami UC report or Miami Under Armour, whatever day that was down there. It was the same day that like Hakeem Williams and and some of those dudes were down there, uh, Santana Fleming and some other guys. So, Ultimately, I think this is probably a fine take for them. It'll be interesting to see how their receiver board shakes out in 2023 because I do think that is such a loaded position in the state next year. And that, that's the only reason I was a little bit surprised that they went ahead and, and took Jacobs out, out of Vero. But I think he's a good player, you know? And if there's a spot that I trust Mike Norvell at, I think it probably is receiver because he played it. It's a featured position in, in this offense, or at least they want it to be, if they had to make for the ball. So I, I think 
given the camp performances this summer, probably the benefit of the doubt is warranted here. What are the official visitors uh, that Florida State is bringing in is Jalen Glover, running back prospect that we've talked to uh, a couple times now. Uh, to me, when I watch him, kind of looks like a looks more like the college body version of Leon Washington before he made it to the pros and, and really slimmed down. He's uh you know he's he's got a little bit of uh, of meat on him to uh, absorb blows, but really like the way he runs uh, overall. Puts his foot into the ground, some nice cuts. Uh, not a not a you know blow your socks off type running back prospect, but a really uh, interesting player in general. Give us your opinion as far as where they stand with Glover and maybe if uh, some of the other prospects out of Lakeland, Florida, aren't uh, you know also on their radar and and maybe put in better place with uh, with how they ultimately pursue Glover. This running back position is going to be fascinating too because you really don't know what they're going to end up doing. You know, Glover's been on campus for his official visit. I think they're in a good spot with him. If FSU wanted to push for his commitment, could they get them or could they get him? I, I think so. They already have Sam McCall, who's you know a, a friend and teammate of his, uh, committed. Obviously, they're doing very well early on with Cormani McLean, who is so far looking like the top cornerback in the country, if not at, at least the state for the class of 2023, and a really really just loose hipped, you know, long levered kid. Uh, Glover is interesting. I mean, he his highlights are are good. Uh, I think his shuttle is pretty solid. Now he is like five six, five seven, two thirteen, two fifteen ish. I mean, that's kind of built like a fire hydrant, right? <laughs> if, if we're, I think your description of him was was apt. When I saw him in person at Miami Under Armour, I was a, a little surprised at, at kind of how stout he was built, to be frank here. I, I I don't know that he stands out somebody who is a no... I want to use this term carefully. He does not stand out to me as someone who is a no-doubt difference maker for the Knowles. It doesn't mean that he will not be a difference maker if he commits. I think he has some potential. But at this point, is he an obvious upgrade over the guys who I think are just kind of jags right now? You know, Do I think Jason Corbin's an NFL back? No. Is Toa Philly truly to tell? But his freshman year didn't didn't look like somebody who was a you know a, a no doubt NFL back. You know, ultimately, could he help you out there? Does it help you do better in Lakeland? Are you not enamored with the other backs in this class and think that none of them that you can actually get are really special? The answers to those might might all be yes. Uh, but I'm not going to lie to y'all and tell you that I think that he's like a no doubt upgrade over what they have on the roster because I, I don't believe that. Yeah, he's an interesting prospect, some fun tape. Uh, I certainly see a lot there and uh, also see a kid that, you know, has some things he can clean up and continue to improve upon. And uh, yeah, five, seven, I'll, I'll ask around. Hopefully, <laughs> I was thinking hopefully more five, nine-ish or so. Not not really that it matters. No, uh, no, I, the word I got was like, I think some people have him at five six, some people have him at five seven. Like it's not five nine ain't it. Yeah, well, at running back, if you're that, you know, if you're that short, it's kind of tomato tomato uh, to an extent. But uh, yeah, we'll see. Continue to follow Glover, what he ultimately does, and uh, some real good tape, and also some things that, as you mentioned, are are a bit limiting. That's a good point, by the way, by you. Like, I, I don't want to present the height as, as overly negative. I mean, if you want to say maxed out physically, I think you can buy that because obviously, I mean, you're not going to put a whole lot more weight on if you're five six or five seven. 
but if there's one position where it doesn't matter, it almost certainly is running back. And in his video, like, what does he show? He actually shows, I think, decent agility for his size. He shows some tough running. He catches the ball on tape pretty well. I will say in person, he had too many drops for my liking, catching the ball uh, with, with, without pads on, you know? Uh, but that's just one, that's a sample set of one on that one day that I saw him. I've seen him other times too, but yeah, I, that, those are just kind of my, my thoughts on Glover. Something I have fewer questions though is the legendary team. Shannon and Chad just do a tremendous job delivering home loans and refinances to our listenership, over 160 now. I actually put an offer in on a house over the weekend, man. Uh, and Mags and I were extremely happy where, where we are. We're not really looking to move, but this place came. You mean I'm going to have to memorize another address, bud? I don't, I'm kind of like Kelly Bundy at this point where my memory brain is, uh, is but satiated. There's only so many things that I can uh, take in, but that's awesome. Good for y'all. I did not, don't mean to ruin the ad read now, but uh, didn't know that. And I certainly hope it works out. Well, I was only going to tell you if we got it, but uh, I, I did have to tell Shannon. I, I texted him and said, hey, uh, can I get pre-approved for, well, I'm probably not going to tell our podcast listeners what I, I was going for, but he's like, yeah, no problem, man. That, that's you know totally within the range. And uh, he, he had the approval literally the next morning. It was a 24-hour turnaround on a weekend. You know, like, can I always guarantee you he's going to get back to you in like six hours? If you don't host the Nolcast, you may not get a six-hour return time on the weekend, but I guarantee you it's going to be pretty damn prompt because the customer service and the reviews we've had you know, for the legendary team, 844 FSU loan, has been great. Also, we didn't get the house. Somebody somebody put down like 25000 or they, they offered 25000 more than we did, and they put down 50% cash, seven-day close. So mm-hmm. I was like, all right, well, <laughs> yeah, like, I thought we had a... <laughs> Very good. In the words of LSU coach Will, Will Wade, we had a strong ass offer, and uh, you know uh, somebody had a, a stronger offer. Yeah, so. just uh, just but another chance for you to work with Shannon down the road. But uh, no, great people, and this is bad podcasting because it's not a visual medium. But the the t shirts that they've recently made are fantastic. I'm wearing mine currently, and, uh, and I know you've been working out a lot because they they are schmedium, man. Like, like yeah. it, it's they gave me the XL, and and I'm like, all right. Jack in this thing. This is like a, a, a 844 FSU loan. Hit them up. By the way, if you happen to live in Georgia or North Carolina, Tennessee, Virginia, or Alabama, don't need to hit them up quite yet. I know that they got some calls a couple of weeks ago when I mentioned they were about to be licensed in those states. I think that's still a couple of weeks off. When it does happen, we will obviously celebrate it on here. So anyway. If you're in those states, you can DM us. I've got actually a running list of people in Georgia that have inquired about that. Um, I told them I'd reach out as soon as Shannon is a, is a full green light there. So if you want to DM the Nolcast account, uh, I'll, I'll set that up and respond as soon as uh, he is legally capable of giving you the same great service that he has some of our other listeners. You want to start with Luke? That's kind of an interesting one. Yeah, let's uh, let's go over. I had a feeling we'd have a question or two about this. Luke? Ask us uh, rather simply if we can just go over the Supreme Court ruling. So I I don't want to take the entire show to do this. Uh, If you want to listen to, I I had like a 15-minute explanation on Cover 3, which is my national show, that I thought was was really good on this. If you want 15 minutes on it, I would go listen to that. If you want two minutes on it, here goes. The NCAA and its effort to keep extracting money every year to the maximum extent it could, really has just drug its feet constantly on not making any kind of progressive changes to the game. And 
as revenues grow and grow and grow and become you know ridiculous in some ways uh the athlete compensation has not grown in anywhere near as far as the rate buildings have coaching salaries have and at some point it's just pretty silly to to look around and say yeah this is just a mom and pop thing just a couple college kids playing some ball when you know you have billion dollar programs out there and ultimately the Supreme Court they decided 9-0 that yeah uh that was pretty ridiculous that the NCAA should not be uh should not be subject to an antitrust exemption and that anytime they they have any kind of Sherman Act stuff they have to look at they should just basically have the lowest possible standard, not any kind of special standard. Uh, Justice Kavanaugh absolutely skewered them in his concurrence. And basically, you remember, you ever watch wrestling like The Rock? You know, just bring it. He was basically like, just please bring me any other lawsuit so I can just, you know, smack the NCAA around some more. But this is limited in scope. So it is not going to totally disrupt things immediately. The ruling specifically is not about pay for play, although. Ultimately, it'll impact that some, I think, down the line, or at least be looked upon in in history as a precursor to. This is about academic related compensation. So, like, can the school give the kid a laptop? Can they pay for a postgraduate uh, scholarship? Can they set them up with an internship? Can it? Can they? Can they pay them any kind of cash reward for winning an academic award? Things like that that are clearly related to uh, to academics. And they even put in there like a no Ferrari rule, basically. It's like, look, the NCAA is totally cool or is totally allowed to basically say, hey, you know, set their own own guardrails when it comes to what is an educationally related benefit and, and what is not. Uh, but they also importantly noted that uh, the business model can't be we don't pay our athletes because... The business model is that we don't pay our athletes yeah, because we're part of the uh, fabric of America. Yes, that's a that's a tough argument to make. Well, the analogy I thought was good. They said we can't just purposely limit teacher pay under the the idea that uh, we only want teachers who will teach out of love of teaching, or uh, you know, perhaps more injurious possibilities here. Like we we would not limit the pay of surgeons just to those who really love practicing medicine and do it for the love of of operating, right? That's just that, that can't be the business model. And they, they said uh, this business model in almost any other uh, setting in America would be flatly illegal. And it's just a case where they got too big for their britches. And if they had been progressive and done some kind of collective bargaining or passed a, some measures in, in their own right, as opposed to waiting for a bailout from Congress for decades now, we wouldn't be here. But this is why we're here. That's kind of my, I guess it's probably three minute or four minute, but that's my general take on it. If you want a little more detail on it, go to cover three. I think that was a pretty good one we did. Did you read it, by the way? Uh, I have not read. I've read the, the concurring opinion of Kavanaugh. Yeah, I haven't, uh, I haven't had a chance to listen to, to that part of y'all's pod. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm not a, I'm, you went to law school. I didn't, uh, but I grew up in a family of lawyers and if you're your PR for the day, which is what it is, PR, I, I get it. But if your PR of the day is that, oh, that Supreme Court uh, justice's opinion isn't all that important when it comes to these matters, then you're in a bad place when it comes to PR. So, well, they cited it as they basically said it was dicta, which is basically, hey, kind of a throwaway comment, which isn't law. And that's that's largely true here. But what they didn't note was that a lot of what they rely upon 
in all their legal arguments at this point, which just got shot down, is dicta from the 1984 Oklahoma. His throwaway stuff from 40 years ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah I was like, exactly. uh, by the way. Um, yeah. So <laughs> anyway, uh, changes will be coming. I, I think people overestimate the speed at which they'll come. But we're definitely in, in an interesting era here in college sports, man, with, with NIL coming, with, with transfer portal. It all seems like it's coming so fast, but in part that's only because it took so long. Like there was, it was just delayed so much. If these had been rolled out over twenty years, it wouldn't feel like like a big onslaught of changes. Uh, next question comes from Ben. Ben writes, "Good afternoon. How much should we read into the visitors recently? A lot of four and five star visitor hype uh, because of the current program's execution diligence, or is it because of more prestige slash program history?" and the easing of COVID restrictions. I feel a lot of the hype is for uh, summer fan base to buy in and uh, may ultimately not necessarily be fruitful. Ben's right in some ways. Willie Taggart had a bunch of studs on campus over the summer and and had a ton of hype going in. Um, I think you have to look at the targeting here, the execution, as he mentioned, and I think they're doing generally a good job. I know we had another guy with, with, with who is it? I'm looking here. I think it's Randy's question. Um, you know, later on, we'll, we'll get to it. But there's, there's some of these kids that are visiting. And of course, there's going to be stories written about them because if they get them on campus and he's an elite prospect, you're not going to not write a story. But there's some kids they have on campus right now that, that are, that are going to be coming on campus and who have been on campus already this month, but they don't have a chance in hell at. I don't even think they'll make the top five. And that's okay. Right, you you need to kind of practice recruiting those mega studs as well, even though you're not going to get them for the most part in this cycle, but maybe not in totality. Ben's question, I think, is it's a good one. It's a good reminder not to get too hyped up over this right now. FSU has the top class in the ACC as of today. Do I think they'll finish with the top class in the ACC? Not unless Clemson and Miami decide to take a lot fewer guys than they're going to take. Uh, no. And maybe North Carolina as well. We'll have to see how that works out. But I think they do have a shot to land a top 10 class, especially if they they play their cards right and use their spots effectively, in large part because they have a lot of spots. And some schools don't have as many spots. I think, again, I don't think it affects the top of the class that much. I don't expect them to land a lot of superstars. I do think they can land more kids sort of in that 200 to 500 range. And by the way, the data shows there's not that big of a difference between a kid rated 200 and a kid rated 500. I will note that. Like, there's there's kind of a weird thing. Yeah, you mentioned that on uh, a couple pods ago, and that's something I'm, I was long-winded in saying, really interested in seeing how more you're able to jump into those numbers and and what that looks like. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, there's four or five-star kids that you get on campus. Sometimes you're doing it because you just need a relationship with with that kid or maybe a coach in the area, and, and you realize that uh, – that it's a, a process and you're just taking beginning steps, but you know, you got a, you got a one in a 100, one in 1000 with some of these kids. Maybe they come in, maybe they fall in love. Maybe they get blown away. Maybe you get really lucky. Uh, but really as long as you don't read <laughs> particular articles about, you know, if, if a kid's standing outside more and gives a, um, gives a, a subservice, a, a quote, like, Hey, I had a great time was really, impressed by Florida State's facilities or something like that. And then you read an article on him six hours later that 
you know, the Seminoles blew him away by the, by the facilities and he could really see himself here or something like that. And as long as you don't read every one of those articles and convince yourself that, you know, said four or five prospect is four or five star prospects going to choose Florida state over Alabama or Georgia or something like that. Then, uh, yeah, I think you just enjoy it take a look at it and see how much, uh, maybe some of those consideration visits turn into, uh, you know, a real recruiting battle over time. And by the way, I, I do think that Knowles 24-7 does a good job of being realistic about, about who they're going to get. Like, I don't see a lot of those, like... They do a very good job of that. But there have definitely been kids and families, you know, who are unhappy with not just FSU, but like, you know, other websites out there that take something a kid says and they paint it with the headline, like, you know, decision coming soon, or when it's really like, yeah, like, you know, maybe I could, but like, they take it and run with it even more. And the thing is, you got to remember, if you're interviewing somebody outside of Moore, or if you just get them on the phone and leave, they know that you cover that school for whatever school you cover. They're always going to say good stuff. No kid, okay, very few kids, if ever, are going to go and go to a school, generally with their parents or with a coach, and then give you a quote that just totally craps all over the school. Like, oh no, man! I I hated Georgia Tech. It was terrible. What a what a disgusting trip. Wasted my time. I could have been home playing Xbox. Like you don't get that. It's all going to be real positive. That's why you have to talk to your sources afterwards as well and say, what do you think? Like, are you guys really in this? But then if you go and again, this is why I think the guys at, at Knowles Two Four Seven are professional. They don't do this. But like, if you go and you take the quote, which is already kind of fluffy, and then you twist it into something else, like that's I think that's where problems happen. You know what I mean? Uh, I know very much what you mean, certainly. So, um, next question comes from Michael. He says, "What's the deal with Antavius Woody?" Saw some people predicting him to Florida State, uh, Bud. This is the with the prospect out of Alabama that you've uh, kind of kept an eye on for a while now. So, I'll, I'll let you answer this question. Okay, so Antavius Woody is is that a Lafayette, Alabama? Um, we talked about him on this podcast a while. I, I, I do think what was it? Looking through our show notes here, I think it was the the March episode where somebody asked us like, Hey, who's somebody completely off the radar that you could see ending up at FSU. And I said, Antavius Woody listed six, five two seventy. I do think he is probably shorter than that, but very athletic. I know uh, rivals just gave him a big rankings bump. Um, here's the deal. FSU has believed in this kid. Alex Atkins has formed a good relationship. If the academic side of things get right, and he's able to qualify, I really like FSU's chances. I know he's taking a visit here this weekend, and you know we'll see how that goes. It wouldn't totally shock me if he popped. Kids are really good athlete. You know, like they've shown him a whole lot of love where I think other programs were a little more cautious with it. Do you let him commit if he wants to? The thing is, you got to manage it, right? Like, and now that he's a four-star on the composite because rivals bumped him up. And you don't necessarily know that he's going to qualify. If you do take, let him commit, might it scare off somebody else? Like, do you, you know, that, that's something that's a legitimate question that a coaching staff would have, by the way. Do you want this kid on your commit list right now? Talent wise, there ain't no doubt. But also, if he was a no doubter to qualify, then I think, uh, I think he would have, you know, probably more interest than he does right now. That's why FSU has, in my opinion, sort of smartly gone in on him, shown him the love and, and believed in him because there's a chance he he does qualify. But that's just something you got to consider. Like, like if you want to think like what a coaching staff thinks like, that's something they got to they think about. 
All right, Glenn brings us our next question. Glenn says, you guys have not spoken about defensive tackle Bishop Thomas much recently. Is Bud still confident Florida State ultimately gets him? Uh, for those of you who are unaware, Thomas is uh, a prospect out of Bishop Moore, which can get confusing uh, names there. Uh, Orlando, Florida. Is this the kid that's originally from uh, New Orleans, Bud? Do I recall that correctly? Yes, he's from St. Augustine, which is where Yak coached. Uh, Yak being David Johnson. I think he's still at Bishop Moore. I'm not totally sure on that. If he's not, I don't know where else he would have gone. He's taken officials now to Texas, to Tennessee. I know West Virginia offered him uh, lately. And uh, he's a guy, if you watch his tape, it's pretty impressive. He actually reminds me some of, shoot, who was the kid with the hyphenated name that they signed in probably 2010 or 2009? Now Lawrence Stampy. Yes, not a sample, exactly. Um, and that's going back a ways. For, for you diehard listeners, you probably remember us talking about him at some point. So Niles Laura Sample is a dude who actually was playing linebacker for, I think it was university school back in the day. And there was smaller classification. But he was like 270 pounds playing linebacker, running around, maybe a little more at some points. Uh, Bishop Thomas is a guy who certainly needs to work on the technique some. But what is most impressive when you watch his stuff is his ability to uh, to chase down guys in the open field and and play in pursuit, get after the ball carrier. Uh, I I put a crystal ball in for him back in March just because I realized that the you know, the David Johnson yak uh, connection was there. I looked, I kind of surveyed the landscape, who else was on him, and I, I felt confident that FSU was was in a good spot there. Uh, I put in the confidence rating of four because again, I wasn't even sure he was going to stay. At, at Bishop Moore, but he's coming in on a visit this weekend. So it wouldn't totally shock me if he pops. Next question uh, also is tied to a visitor this weekend. Uh, James asks, can Florida State flip linebacker Jaron Willis on his official visit this week? Uh, Willis is the kid out of uh, just above Albany, Georgia there, Lee County, Georgia uh, prospect who is currently committed to Georgia Tech. It's a good question. And I'm just going to be, be frank here. I don't know if they can or not. I, th- I think what you want is real clarity here. Like, you know, it, it, are you just, has somebody just told you you're going to play safety and unless we promise you Meaning that? Georgia Tech, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Is, this, is that a deal breaker? Uh, you call us your dream school. Like, where, where do we stand? You know, try to, I would try to aggressively define the relationship with, with Willis at this point and figure out what's really yeah, there. DTR? DTR. DTR and uh, DT position. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, look, you, yeah, I think you have a real honest conversation about, uh, where the game is right now. You point to Hamza where he was drafted and you just try to get a feel. And is, is this a kid that, uh, you know, you ultimately feel comfortable with, uh, pursuing with the idea that you can flip him. So hopefully it brings some clarity. I know he, uh, I believe he was just up at Georgia tech recently. So hopefully you get a pretty clear feel for where he, you know, kind of where he sits with his recruiting and, and ultimately if you're a school that, uh, that can get a signature out of this kid or, or if you need to place your eyes and resources elsewhere. So realistically, like, here's what I kind of think their linebacker board looks like. I didn't think they were going to get Shamar James. He just committed to Florida, the kid out of Mobile, Alabama. Really nice looking prospect. Willis is clearly on there. They already have Graham committed, right? You know, EJ Lightsey. Travis Lathan, Daniel Martin, 
Demario Tolan, who I think is, I think is pretty good, man. Like I think Tolan is a guy who, with a big senior season, could maybe rise up even more in in the rankings. I, I'm I'm a believer in Tolan, you know, Daniel Martin, Wesley Besaint, and then also Jerron Willis. You're only going to take two, most likely, two more. Excuse me. So. Willis fits in the mold of a guy who who can run, but he's also like probably the biggest guy left on the board. So it is interesting to me that you know he's being told he's going to be a safety there at Georgia Tech. Maybe he will be. Uh, maybe that they they run a defense where the safety roles are a little bit different. Sometimes, and remind me to bring this up when we take Randy's question. I think this is interesting. Sometimes kids really are obsessed with being told that they that they have to play a certain position, even if it's definitely not a position that they can play in college. So that's a little teaser for for later in the show. But I don't know, man. I really don't know if they can flip Jerron Willis this weekend. I I wish I had a better answer for James, but I just don't. I I, I don't know. Um, I also don't really have a great feel for where he is on their board. Like if I was ranking this. I think Basaint and Tolan might be higher. I know some people who who like Lightsies, so I I don't know, man. This is an interesting question. Well, Willis is a is a prospect that uh, you know we'll certainly continue to cover, and and hopefully Florida State uh, has a has a pretty clear idea as to what the landscape looks like after this weekend. So. Uh, if you are listening to our previous podcast, uh, I would, and if you haven't, otherwise, I'd suggest you go back and listen to it. If not for all the great Florida State information in there, then really one of the greatest ad reads I've ever heard when Bud compared congruity to the sticky tack of uh, of uh, being able to bring value to your business. So congruity has been great for us, been great for uh, some of the partners that we've been able to uh, add to their portfolio. Uh, truly a Kind of small business uh, touch uh, level of service, uh, high touch uh, type business that you get from them, type service you get uh, from our friend Matt. And at the same time, trust me, in that industry, if you don't have a ton of capital behind you, you get absorbed uh, almost instantly. So uh, all the resources that they need to provide uh, the most optimal functions for your business and at the same time, uh, you will be an in, uh, incredibly high priority for them, I promise you. So reach out to Matt, 844-247-4100. Again, congruityhr.com is the website. And Knowles at congruityhr.com uh, is the email address to which you can reach Matt. All right, man. Uh, a couple more here for this episode. Let's go ahead and take uh, Craig. So Craig asks, uh, did not have a chance to submit via Patreon, but he is a Patreon supporter and a long time one. We thank Craig for that. Patreon.com slash Nolcast. Uh, didn't have a chance to submit via Patreon, but just curious on uniforms. Maybe homecoming turquoise like basketball? Just curious of thoughts. I, I do have some recent thoughts on uniforms. Uh, you want to go first on this one or, or, or do you want me to lead off? Uh, yeah, let's hear them. I'll let you go. So I do like, and I, I don't necessarily want them to wear them, but I, I kind of think the white number on the black jersey that some of the recruits have been sporting on Instagram when they come up and, and try on the uniforms and do the photo shoots, it looks pretty good. Is that new, or did they put some kind of new trim on that? I'm trying to remember, but I, I don't remember FSU having white numbers on the black uniforms before. I don't remember that. Um, I always remember one of my complaints about the black uniforms is just that it's too damn black. Uh, that there's not a whole lot of contrast in them. 
uh, your garnet bleeds into the black. Uh, yeah, no, that would be a better look. I'll still stand by what I said previously. I'm, I'm not real wild about black uniforms in general, but, uh, you know, the, the white lettering is, is certainly a, a step up from, uh, you know, that of which we saw against Virginia Tech and some of the other uniforms that have been brought out in black. All right. So the last couple of times they wore black uniforms, we had uh, the Virginia Tech game, which they wore like a, a mustard colored uh, number with garnet trim. You had a blackout game against Boston College. This is this is pretty clearly, I think, Bo Relaford in this picture. So that would have been what, 09? You remember that? Oh, I do remember this game. This is the game where they they had to run a reverse like Burt Reed to win, I think, at the very end. It, it was in dope. And then didn't they wear Boston College, black in Boston College and take a loss with Weatherford at quarterback a couple years earlier as well? Okay, that was back in like 06 or 05. I, I was there. Uh, and that was, that was horrendous. Um, you also, there was a blackout game that uh, that Dalvin Cook participated in. Do you remember this one? Not immediately. Which one is that? Uh, I'm trying to figure out when this was because Dalvin is, is in the picture. Did well, did they wear all black against Louisville during one of those? Uh, it might have been. I'm trying to remember. The consistent thing that I have found here is that none of these black jerseys, even dating back to the Weatherford ones, had white numbers on them. And the white numbers really do kind of pop. Oh, it was 2015. FSU wore black in the final home game of 2015. This is an article by uh, Safid Dean, by the way. Met back when he was covering the Knowles. Uh, they were playing Tennessee Chattanooga. That's why I don't remember this. Okay. This is one of the one of the years they played UF on the road. Yeah. Apparently FSU wore black for that game. I do not recall that. Do you have any thoughts on Craig asking about turquoise uniforms? I see them in basketball. I, I like them. I realize there's a, a tie to the uh, Seminole tribe there. I don't know that that would translate all that well uh, to football. Now, maybe you could wear it white with turquoise lettering or something like that. I'd, I'd be for that. But I don't, I mean, to me, that would, you'd look kind of like a Charger, uh, you know, the NFL's version of Chargers and, and maybe a little bit of an Arena League team. So I, I might stay away from that. Yeah, I, I have a feeling that I, I would agree with you on that. I mean, if if they did it out, out of a tribute to the Seminole tribe, I, I wouldn't obviously go nuts uh, in in opposition. But I, I think this is probably... I don't see it happening. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there'll be something. I just I haven't heard anything about that uh, as of yet. So Dean wants to know about uh, Jalen Early and Jarrell Powers. So two guys from Texas who are coming in on official visits. Uh, Jalen is an offensive lineman, guard type, I think, and Powers is a big tight end. This is another question we, we, we talked about just a second ago. What does FSU's board look like? If, if Jalen, though, is more of an interior offensive lineman, there's an interesting question. Where, where does he fit in? Or is he more of an offensive tackle type? I've not seen this kid in person, right? So I don't know. We have him listed on 24-7 Sports as an interior offensive lineman, 6'4", 290, you know, player just outside the top 200 in the composite. We have him as one, at 174 and the number eight uh, ranked interior offensive lineman in the country. So pretty good prospect. I really haven't seen this kid in person, so I don't really know exactly what to think. Uh, now, he lists offers from Ohio State, A&M, Oklahoma, Texas Tech. I think LSU's involved with him as well, but I'm not 
totally sure. I know that uh, um, Ohio State is is involved with him, but again, like Ohio State is recruiting on a little bit different level. I don't know that he's a take there. I'm not trying to suggest that he's not. It's just this is potentially an example, maybe a prime example of one of those kids. Where is he a take? Is he not? He could very well be a take. I don't know exactly what Ohio State's recruiting board looks like. But he's not like one of those no doubters where I can just look what we have a rating on the kid and we say, oh, we think he's a 98. Like, there's not going to be that much difference in our opinion of a kid and an elite school's opinion of a kid to where, like, they're not going to take it. There's not going to be a, a whole lot of kids who are true, like, top 100 types who are turned down. But I don't know that he's a take there. So far, there's no crystal ball predictions for him. He took an official visit to Texas Tech. I believe he took one as well uh, to Texas A&M. And he took one to Ohio State. So FSU is his fourth official visit. I'm very interested to see how this goes. Maybe they view him as somebody who can play tackle. I do know that FSU values uh, arm length and athleticism more than just pure height at the tackle position. Uh, But that's kind of all I got for you. I don't really know exactly where FSU stands with the kid. Because this is, to my knowledge, I mean, this is obviously his first official visit, but I, I don't know that they're like how actually how well they're doing with it, right? He was also going to visit Penn State at at some point, but I think that's off because he, he visited uh, I think A&M or Texas Tech instead. I know on June fourth he had told our Penn State site that he was going to visit on June eight or excuse, June eighteenth, but that obviously. Uh, it didn't happen. So maybe like, maybe this comes down to where they prefer him, what he wants to play, and uh, we'll, we'll kind of see how that goes. With Jarrell Powers, he's a, a really big tight end. Duncanville High School is obviously a school that, um, that Chris Thompson, the tight ends coach, has connections to. This is not particularly a good year for, for tight end. Um, oh, shoot. Who's the, uh, the tight end out of Lake City, Columbia? The six foot four kid that uh, he was not six four. He's like a shade under six two. Ooh, yeah, that's different, particularly when you're talking about that position. Yeah, uh, Marcus um, Peterson, good player, right? I think he's probably going to go to Pitt or UCF when, when, when he announces. I think next week, but like the tight end targets this year in state that FSU has a chance at, they're not they're not really that great. So. We'll see what goes on with, with Powers. This is an interesting kid to watch, though, for sure. I mean, obviously, Julio Skinner, if he ends up at IMG, then I guess he would technically be in-state. He also is one of those guys who I think wants to be recruited as a receiver, even though I, I believe he's a tight end all day, uh, personally. A term that you don't hear as much in the recruiting world uh, as you did 10 or 15 years ago, and I'm real happy about it as frequently as just lazy, but when you're talking about two high school teammates – you see this as as the old package deal, or uh, in your opinion, these kids, you know, have similar lists, but may well end up at different schools. You know, I, I don't really know what what to think of them. Um, obviously, there's a connection there with Thompson, but I don't know that they have to play together. I, I really haven't heard that. And is Powers? And if you mentioned this, I've, and I missed it, I apologize. But is, is Powers still on track to make a commitment uh, early July? Uh, believe so. Yeah. Okay. All right, so we should have some some decent clarity there within two weeks or so as to what that looks like. Um, so, all right, something we'll keep an eye on. And he's also a kid, you know, rankings wise. I just don't know. I really haven't seen him. I don't know anybody who's seen him. I mean, he, he I know he runs track. He took an official visit to Colorado. He took an official visit to Oregon State. 
my guess here is that if FSU is, is that interested in him, that they're bringing him in on an official, that uh, that they may, they may think he is better than what we have. Now, of course, every staff is going to tell you, you know, that this kid is so much better. Like, you know, they're like, this kid is really, really fast. I'm like, well, he ran a 5-1. So I'm going to have to disagree with you, coach. If you want to tell me something like, and, and I get this from a lot of staffs. So if you want to tell me he's got great hands or, and you love his competitiveness or that he's a great route runner, or maybe he's uh, quicker than fast. Okay. But like the fast side, no. And that, this is not about powers you know, specifically. We'll, we'll kind of see. I mean, in looking at their, you know, some of their tight end targets, like the guy who was, in my opinion, number one on their board was Jake Johnson. And that's probably not going to happen because he's committed to LSU. I think Jake's brother is likely going to be the starting quarterback for LSU this year. You know, we'll see what happens with, with Oscar Dell. I know Georgia for a while people were, were, were liking that, but that's been a while since all those crystal balls came in and he didn't really, you know, that, that hasn't necessarily turned out. Um, well, we'll let's see what happens. I know I'm saying we'll see a lot on some of these kids, but a lot of that has to do with just the whirlwind uh, tour that's going on right now, right? All these dudes are seeing so many schools for the first time. They're holding back a visit or two. It's, it's interesting. But I do think pretty much all the kids that we mentioned so far have a, they have at least some shot at if they actually want them. Second to last question comes from Randall. This is one of those uh, questions that has to do with some of those more elite prospect, high four-star, five-star type kids in Florida State's involvement rhythm. Randall asks, can you give me your thoughts on Florida State's chances with Kamari Wilson from IMG, Anthony Lucas, the defensive end from Arizona, or Emory Jones? You want to take uh, Kamari Wilson first? Um, I don't, I won't lie to you guys. I don't know that this is something that's, uh, at least from my opinion, that Florida State is, uh, particularly involved with or that I would put a ton of, uh, emotional investment into. I would lay a thousand to one. I would lay a thousand to one that he would not come to FSU. Oh, oh, Meyer Lansky in there chiming in with the odds. Uh, yeah, I think that speaks clearly enough, uh, about that. I mean, he's going to Georgia unless something else happens, in which case he would go to Miami or maybe three or four or five other schools before FSU shoots even in the picture. Like that, that's just not a, unless something really weird, like really, really weird happens, that's just not something I, I, I could see happening. Um, Anthony Lucas came in on a visit. I've met this kid in person. He's pretty freaky. I know he also, I believe, played baseball. I, I saw him in the Alamo Dome as a freshman, freshman or sophomore, I'm trying to remember. Anyway, like he didn't really know what he was doing yet, football-wise. He was huge frame kid. I figured like he's going to grow into an off to tackle maybe down the line. Um, enormous hands. Like there's certain guys that are just like Laramie Tunzel, I thought, just for a high school kid. Like it's like, whoa, they grabbed me up to my watch. That's a little bit weird. You know, um, and like I'm not a small guy. So obviously like, like, Anyway, like just it, it stands out. It's like, whoa, this kid's got a lot of potential and frame to grow into if you have hands that look like that and feet that look like that. But um, I don't think they have a snowball's chance in hell. Like, that's not the type of kid I think FSU can land this cycle unless they have a special connection. I got him on campus for a visit. I know Coach Dillingham knows him some, but that's just not, I don't think FSU is recruiting that caliber of player successfully from out of state this year and really from, from wildly out of region. The other interesting thing there is, remember I said that some of these kids think that they, that they want to play certain positions? 
he's a, he's like a, a, a five tech all the way. I mean, the guy's going to be 290. But from what we've been hearing, like everybody who recruits him has to tell him that he has to play, that he's going to play defensive end. Mm, okay. And I guess yeah. technically five tech at some schools is a defensive end. You know, like right. if you run a three, four, it's a defensive end. It's just an example of, yeah, you're a safety. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You're a defensive end. And I know everybody, like the, all the schools have to play the game, but I mean, come on, if you see the guy, as soon as he touches the weight room, it, there's, there ain't no doubt. Emory Jones, offensive tackle from New Orleans area. Well, it's from Baton Rouge Catholic, which is a... Oh, excuse me. He goes, wait, he goes to Catholic? I believe so. It's a school that's produced a prospect once or twice in the past. Yeah, it's also a school I have a good connection to. That would be work done, Travis Miner, uh, for those of you who are longtime recruiting heads like myself. Darius Geis, I believe. No, apparently uh, Darius Geis had domestic violence charges she dropped. Did, she did drop uh, the charges, yes. Uh, nine, nine hours ago. I, I, I just Googled him, so... Look, if LSU wants the kid, I think this would be a very difficult pull. This is sort of one of those stretch targets that you keep alive. Keep alive is not the right word. You want to keep the relationship alive in case something happens. That something could be, I don't know, maybe uh, maybe the kid just picks you because he absolutely loves you and, and, and loves Coach Atkins. That something could be maybe LSU somehow fills up, right? Uh, or has has different targets. On their board, it could also be, I don't know, uh, maybe they have a very, like, not good year, and uh, and they have some coaching staff changes there at LSU. There's a lot of things that could happen. At this point, I would not pick FSU to land Jones, but it's not totally out of the realm of possibility. I do think that Lucas and and Kamari Wilson have zero shot to come here. Final question of the night comes from Logan. Logan writes, I love the podcast. I've been a listener for years. I've been a fan since Chris Hope committed. This may have been answered, but I do not remember hearing about it. Are there any differences with A.J. Duffy that make you think he is different than other California quarterbacks that Florida State has had in the past? I remember there being some discussions on previous podcasts about how California QB recruits have turned out in Tallahassee. Obviously, Henry didn't turn out due to his own issues. So I'm not really using him as a reference point. I hope Duffy sticks and is as successful as possible on the field and off. Uh, this is my obligatory mention of the Nolcast sponsor, Madso. Uh, my wife looks forward, looks more forward to visiting Madso uh, than the game when we make it down from South Carolina for the games. BLT tip is always on the menu at our house when we have people over. So Logan certainly appreciate the question as a Chris Hope reference for a kid who's followed recruiting for 30 years. So certainly appreciate the historical reference there. And Madso is class, whether it be uh, for the game or just to go and enjoy that Reuben sandwich that comes around uh, each month on the 17th. So fantastic supporters of the Nolcast, and we thank them as always. So, Bud, you want to, I mean, we've certainly talked about culture previously and some of the challenges uh, that could be there. It doesn't mean that every quarterback from from California is not going to work out or anything else, but it is a this is a little bit of a different situation with uh, with Duffy being that he's you know spent a considerable amount of time in, at IMG, and while that's not necessarily a traditional high school, it's still in the state of Florida and is going to be a little bit different uh, for him, and not maybe necessarily the the culture shock that might occur with uh, past quarterbacks and in, in, you know long time ago. Yeah, I think that's a good point by you. 
um, about the the culture shock of of coming to a school like Florida, because certainly sometimes those Cali kids get over to schools in the South, and and it is a much different culture. Um, I think it's more competitive down here in Florida. Personally, I think you have more kids coming from more desperate situations. Just anecdotally, we have a lot more fights at like seven on seven and camps and stuff with guys scrapping and you know, trying to make sure they they can get their shine and and uh, and get their their reps right to to get seen than we do in Cali. Uh, much less building each other up down here than it is out there. I think it's a tougher culture. Just that's not me trying to stereotype. It's just what I've noticed in in certain areas compared to places in Cali. Does AJ Duffy have some Cali to him? Yeah, he certainly does. I don't want to act like he's a Florida kid. I'm just going to go classic Noel cast here. I think sample set is too low on this, right? Like we also have examples so far of Cali quarterbacks coming east who were were largely fine. DJ is doing great at Clemson. FSU's sample of California quarterbacks is what? Am I missing somebody? Is it just two? Malik and Chris Ricks? And Chris Ricks was like 20 years ago at this point, basically. It's it's a whole different world now. Malik Henry had his own set of issues that unfortunately kept getting worse and worse, especially sort of in that final semester there at IMG and in his first semester on campus in Tallahassee. I can't guarantee you that that AJ Duffy's going to vibe with all the guys in this locker room. Can't guarantee that at all, right? He could turn off some guys by being too Cali. Who knows? So I don't want to blow smoke, Logan, and say, no, there's no chance that happens. But I just think the sample set to assume that, hey, any California kids can have a real, real tough time meshing into this locker room is, I just don't think we have enough data to say that. And I don't think there's anything all that different about FSU than there are about a number of Southeastern schools who have successfully had California quarterbacks uh, come in and, and, and do pretty well. Also, thanks for, for your wife. Shout out, Matt. So that's awesome. Thoroughly enjoyed it as always, my man. If uh, you, the listener, get a chance to you know give us a like on Twitter or five-star review or whatever you can do in a small way to support the show, uh, know that it is gratefully appreciated. And, uh, we will be back with you, I believe, later this week for a uh, another smaller show. Certainly appreciate uh, the listens and uh, you know know that we're trying to put an, an extra show or two in the hopper so that you guys have a, a little bit extra July 4th content as we uh, approach the holiday here. So for Bud, myself, until next time, this has been the Nolcast. This has been the Nolcast. The Nolcast is created and hosted by Bud Elliott and Ingram Smith. Music by Judson Wright and produced by Justin Robinson. Go Knowles.